0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. We are obsessed with connection. It is, you, it is one of the most important things. If we were to prioritize what we want for you as the, the people that come to this church, connection would be at the very top of the list. I would say, maybe controversially, that we actually would would rather you be connected than you know the Bible super well, okay? Because if you just know every single scripture but you're just weird and nobody wants to talk to you, and how, how effective are you going to be for the kingdom of God? We would rather you have great relationships and be in connection because guess what? As you're around godly people, you're going to learn the word. As you're around godly people, you're going to be encouraged to read the word, right? We would rather you be in connection than even volunteer on 50 million teams and give a bunch of hours, okay? It is so important that you are in connection, right? In connection. And so, uh, to, to relay to you, just how important this is. I'm not even gonna use the Bible, okay? I'm just gonna use straight up science, okay? (laughs) It's kind of science, it's kind of sociology, it's not really science, anyway. So uh, there is a study that was conducted uh, by, uh, by Harvard University. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's like a really, a lot of smart people uh, go to Harvard. It's called the Harvard Study of Adult Development. It's the longest study on adult human behavior in the history of humankind, okay? This study has been going on, and think about this, for 75 years. Researchers have been following um, 724 that at the time when they started were boys. And now they are, I believe out of the 724 men, 60 of the men are still alive and they're in their, their 90s, some of them in their, in their late 80s. And so they have followed these men for 75 years. So think about that. That means that even like some of the researchers that were a part of the team have died and they had to pass on their research to new researchers, okay? So for 75 years, they've been monitoring these men. And every year, they would get together. They would interview them. They would interview their children, interview their wives. They would set up a video camera and just film their, their family interactions. They would even pull their health records. And so what they found was pretty astounding, And so they're on their fourth director of the study, by the way, because people keep retiring because the study's been going on for 75 years. And so uh, the current director of the study, his name is um, uh, Robert Waldinger, I believe. And he said, and they're actually gonna put the quote up behind me, pretty awesome name, Mr., probably Dr. Waldinger. Um, And he said, the clearest message we get from this 75-year study is this. Good relationships keep us happier and healthier period. It turns out that people who are more socially connected to family, to friends, to community are happier. They are physically healthier and they live longer than people who are less well connected. So that's not, that's not the Bible. Okay. That's just like just sociology and observing human behavior. Okay. I haven't even gotten to the Bible yet. Right. Connection is unbelievably important for your own health and your own well-being, my health, my well-being. And that is why, as a church, we are obsessed with getting you connected and staying connected because you will be happier. You will literally live longer, okay? And so we are obsessed with connection at this church. So the title of my message is Connection Points, connection points. And as Christians, I believe that there are three main connection points for us that we need to make sure that we are always connected to, connected with. And that would be that we are always connected to God. Duh, that one's pretty obvious. Uh, Always connected to uh, other Christians, other believers, but actually also always connected to the world, to, to people who don't follow God yet. And so those are the three things that we as Christians should be obsessed with connecting to. And so Point number one, connecting to God, connecting to God. So uh, I'm going to talk to just the, the Christians in the room right now. And if you're not a Christian, you're kind of on the fence, not totally sure what you believe yet, that's fine. I'm coming for you later. But right now, I'm just talking to the Christians, okay? So um, as a Christian, you are just by default, you are connected to God. That has happened. There is one mediator between God and man, that is Jesus Christ. And so if you've accepted Jesus Christ as an atoning sacrifice for your sins, then you are now connected to God, period, doesn't matter. Okay, you are connected to God. But we all know, like if you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, that it's possible, even though you are connected, to just you have those seasons where maybe you don't feel as connected or just feel like like God has been a little silent and even though you've been asking him for things, it just doesn't feel like he's taught, right? I, I hope it's not just me. That would be really <laughs> concerning. And so uh, we have these moments where maybe we, we don't feel totally connected even though we are connected. And uh, I would say that there is almost always only one reason for that. And it is that we lose sight of our identity of our identity, who we actually are. So this is, this is a little bit semantics, but it actually frustrates me greatly when people say, I am a sinner saved by grace. We've all heard that, right? I mean, that's like, that's actually not true. You were a sinner who was then saved by grace, and now the Bible says you are no longer a sinner. You are a new creation. You are holy, you are blameless. When God looks at you, he doesn't see all of your mistakes. He sees the perfection of Jesus Christ. He thinks you are awesome, that you are perfect in every way, spotless, no blemishes, right? But we, 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 we lose sight of that, and we, we, we don't um, understand that that's the way he sees us, right? And so uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, very famous verse says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that word, you know, the word new is a little weird, right? Because you can get a new car, but it's used, but it's new to you, right? So it's a new car, but that's not what this word means. This word means brand spanking new, off of the assembly line, straight from the factory, not refurbished, not remodeled, not rewired, but 100% totally, completely new. 1 Peter 2, verses nine and 10 says, this is one of the most powerful passages of scripture about who you are. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Do you have any idea how crazy those three words are? A royal priesthood, you are royalty. You are a king and a queen in the kingdom of God. And you are a priest. Traditionally, a priest was made to have direct connection to God, to stand in the gap between man and God. But now, you can boldly walk into the throne room of God as a child of God and say, hey, Father, I could use some help right here. Hey, Father, I could really, what should I do here? You don't have to, grovel and beg and Lord, please uh, you know, don't smite me with your wrath. No, you just say, hey, God, I know that you love me. I know that I am spotless. I am blameless. You view me as your child. And so, God, I would just ask that right now you would move on behalf of my family. You would move on behalf of my finances in Jesus' mighty name, right? You are not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner who was then saved by grace. And now you are a royal priest. Wow, what a title. That's pretty sweet. Okay now, uh, you may be in here and say, "Well, shoot, I guess I'm not a Christian because I messed up last weekend, right or uh, what does that mean because I'm still struggling with this thing and it's kicking my butt right now what what do we how do you reconcile that well Uh, The best way that I can explain it is when Katie and I moved here, we moved um, to La Jolla. I went to UC San Diego and did my my graduate work. And so we moved into this apartment um, that was graduate student housing, was uh, made for married graduate students. And it was actually probably the worst thing ever because we had an apartment in La Jolla for $900 a month, two bedroom. And then after I moved out, I was awakened to the reality of rent prices um, here in San Diego. So anyway, I had this apartment in La Jolla and we had uh, started going to, at the time, C3 Church. And and at the time, there was just a central campus and a north campus. And um, I actually led uh, worship. I was the music director for the north campus back when we had Saturday night services. And so I would always drive from La Jolla up to Carlsbad, do church on Saturday night, and then drive home. And so for years... Week after week after week after week, when I was coming home, Katie and I would drive south on the five, and then at the split where the 805 goes to the left and the five goes to the right, I would go down the five because that was where La Jolla was. I went, that was my home, right? Well, then we moved. I had a new home, and that was in Kearney Mesa, okay? So still going to church, still driving up to Carlsbad doing church and then coming home, and then what I would find is Katie and I would just be talking, I would be daydreaming, whatever, and I would just find myself veering off down the five. Like, oh, it! I don't live there anymore, that's not my home anymore, I live over there. How weird would it be if I showed up at my old home and was like, hey, can I come in? They'd be like, no, that's breaking and entering, please, I'm gonna call the police, right? You have a new home as a Christian. Listen to this, how crazy is this? Romans 6.23 says that for the wages of sin is death. And that word wages is the, is the, is the, uh, the Greek word that means what a soldier gets paid from his general. And so what it is saying is the wages of sin. So sin pays you. You are under his banner. You are on the on the the wrong team, on the fighting for the wrong side, and he pays you. Listen to how sneaky the devil is. He pays you with death. And death is actually a debt. So you owe your life. And so how crazy is it that what sin gets you, it pays you, but it pays you with a debt. That's messed up. That's messed up. So you see, we were all at one time under the banner, fighting for the general of sin, deserving of destruction, right? But we are on a new team now. You are on, you are now, you have the Lord as your champion, as your admiral, okay? You don't live there anymore. Now, you may find yourself because for years and years and years and years and years and years, you have programmed yourself to go this way. And just like I would on the five, just, uh, but then you say, Shoot, I don't live there anymore. I'm gonna turn around and go back to my new home, right? And so we are still, even though you are reborn, regenerated, a new creation, you are still sort of, for the now, trapped in this fleshly bag of bones. You still have the same thinking, the same habits, the same mentality, but you need to know that you are not a sinner saved by grace. You were, now you are a child of God. You are a victor, you are a conqueror. You are an overcomer in Jesus' mighty name. Okay? You are an overcomer, 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 overcomer in Jesus' mighty name. So, Okay, we have sort of addressed that the root cause of feeling disconnected from God as a Christian is a, is a lack of identity or, or lo- a slipping a little bit in your understanding of your identity. Fine, cool, we all we get that. So then, then what? Great, how, if, if, you're, if you're in that, it's like, that's not very helpful. Can you tell me what to, what to do, how to, how to fix that? Well, there's two things, very simple. Read your Bible and pray. Come on, thank you. Getting help, getting help from the front row. Read your Bible and pray. You see, your Bible is filled with promises, with declarations about who you are. So if you ever feel like you're losing sight of it, just pick it up and read it and you will read that I am a royal priest, a holy nation. Come on, somebody, that'll make you feel good, that you are more than a conqueror in Jesus' mighty name, that you are victorious, that you are a son, a daughter of the most high God, okay? You can't have a bad day when you remember that, right? So you need to read your Bible and you need to pray. You see, prayer is a direct connection, a conversation between you and your Creator. Direct, now, you know, before it was like you had to go to the priest and, and you know, hey, priest, we, we can't approach God because we're sinful, we're wicked. Can you ask him something for us? And the priest like, yeah, hold on, let me atone for everybody's sins. Then I can go, we don't have to do that anymore. Jesus paid the price. There is one mediator between man and God. It is Jesus Christ. Now we have direct access to the throne room of God. So when you pray, you get to talk to God and God gets to talk to you. So, you guys are gonna get sick of hearing me say this. But Tuesday mornings, 5.30 in the morning, right out there, we have something called men's prayer. And we learn how to pray, okay? Prayer is not a spiritual gift. It's not like some people are good at praying and some aren't. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. That means you can be bad at it and you can get better. And so we learn how to pray. We practice praying. We get better at praying out there at 5.30 in the morning, Tuesdays, in the foyer. Ladies, you meet uh, 7 and 9 a.m. at uh, on Thursdays right here. L- commit to being a person that is savagely obsessed with learning how to pray. So, savagely obsessed, I did say that, that's right. New hashtag. If you are in here and you are a man, And you, you know, if you're here for the first time or you're just here for a couple weeks, then I will give you a pass. This doesn't totally apply to you yet. But if you are in here and you're a man and you have committed that this is your church, this is your home church, and you are committed to seeing God develop you, to empower you, to, to walk in the favor of God, to learn how to be a better disciple, to learn how to better walk out the great commission of making disciples, I want you to get out your cell phone. I want you to text South Men all one word, South Men, to 555-888. And you're gonna start getting texts. Not We're not gonna spam you to death every five minutes, okay? But just send out texts, reminder texts about men's prayer. We're also gonna be sending out um, some testimonies of just incredible things that God is doing in the lives of the men of our church. And so you may be just in this, man, I'm just really struggling, trying to believe in God for this miracle in my finances, believe in God. But then you hear a story, which happened last Tuesday at Men's Prayer. I was there, well, Tuesday before. Uh, and it was you know, hey, uh, it was crazy, my boss came to me and just told me they miscalculated my commissions and uh, basically here's a $15,000 check, boom, come on. So if you're like wondering if God can provide for you and then you hear something like that, that gets your faith going, that gets you excited, that gets you believed, because God is no respecter of persons. If he did it for some guy in our church, he'll do it for you in Jesus' mighty name. So we're gonna use that to send out some texts of some of the amazing things that God is doing in the life of our men. Um, If you're a lady, you can text, stand by, South Cherish Girls, all one word, to 555-888. And so let's commit to being a people that are obsessed with learning how to pray, to developing our prayer life. And I'm telling you, you will will feel connected to God, period, if you read your Bible and you learn how to pray effectively in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. amen. Come on. So we've got to connect to God, be connected to God. We also need to connect to sinners. We need to connect to people who don't follow the Lord yet, okay? Well, I, was at this, uh, I was at a church service a long time ago, and the pastor said something I thought was, was kind of cool. He's like, all right, you know, give me a bunch of names for Jesus. You know, what does the Bible say? Well, give me some names. And people are like, Savior, Rabbi, Teacher, Son of God, Son of Man, Bread of Life, Good Shepherd, you know, and he's like, yeah, good, come on, keep going, keep going. And there's probably 50 names. Of, you know, they, they, and then he said, hey, awesome, you're all right, good stuff. You forgot one, though. Jesus was called a friend of sinners. And what we cannot do, what we cannot do, is be people that feel that somehow sin is contagious. And we're gonna, we're gonna like, if you hang around with people that curse, all of a sudden you're gonna start saying curse words every every other word, okay? It just doesn't, if you're in church and renewing your mind and you are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, like you're not gonna catch sin somehow, okay? It just doesn't work like that, right? And I love the story of um, it's in all three uh, of the of the what are called the synoptic gospels with Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's the calling of Matthew. Matthew is one of the, the 12 disciples. And Jesus calls him and says, follow me. And he is a tax collector, okay? And he is so stoked and so just humbled and, and excited that he's, that he's it's like, Jesus, please come over to my house. I'm gonna feed you this massive dinner. So they have this big feast and he invites all of his friends, okay? So Jesus is hanging out, having dinner, with these tax collectors and these sinners. Here's what you need to understand. We don't have like a moral equivalent in our American society right now for what a tax collector was back then. Notice that he says with sinners and tax collectors. Like tax collectors didn't even get to be lumped in with the sinners. They were like a whole nother, right? Because at the time, uh, Jerusalem was occupied by Rome and it was incredibly oppressive and they would, beat people, they would imprison people. Like The reason that the Romans were able to have such a sprawling empire for so long was because they were ruthless. They used violence, they used just terrible things, and so the tax collectors would collect money. They were Jews, would collect money from the Jews and give it to the Romans to further the oppression of their people and they would skim off the top for themselves, line their own pockets. So they were incredibly wealthy and made all of their money by just furthering the oppression of of their own people, right? And I was trying to think of like, how could I convey this? And this is the best I've come up with. Hopefully this works. Imagine, so here, in especially our church and really in San Diego because it's a military town and, and, and I would like to say in all of America, but f- for the most part, we love our military, right? We respect, we honor, we're so thankful for our military men and women. So I want you to imagine that there's like a charity, a charitable foundation that, that gives money to little boys and girls that have lost their dad in combat. Okay, and that there's some guy who's stealing off the top of that and buying himself a Maserati. Like we would just be like, oh my gosh, give me 15 minutes in a room with that guy, we'll solve this problem. I'm gonna go to jail, but we're gonna solve this problem, right? I mean, we would just be, that was the tax collectors, okay? And Jesus, it wasn't like Jesus was like, okay, I will get close enough to you so that you can hear the words I'm saying, but I cannot get any closer because uh, there is a divide between us. You're a sinner, I'm a Christian, we just, you know. So Jesus did not keep sinners at arm's length. He went to their home, ate dinner with them, reclined at their table, okay? And so we need to be a people that is not scared of people that aren't Christians, okay? And I work with a bunch of really, really rough people. And I love them to death, but when we Like, I can't even, like, I have to, like, delete texts they sent. I'm like, guys, come on now. I don't even know those words were words, what you just said. Like, how did you, I've never heard those words put together in that combination before ever, okay? But these guys, I love them. They're my friends, okay? They're my friends, and they know exactly what I stand for. They know exactly what I believe, and they they, they respect it, okay? They never make fun of my beliefs because they know that I'm convicted, and they know that um, I've had incredible conversations with these guys, talks about, God, about Jesus, about grief and loss, right? These deep, deep conversations. And it's because they know that I'm their friend. I'm not judging them, like just trying to convert them and slap them in the head with my Bible. And if, if it doesn't work, then well, I guess I'm moving on. I care about them, they're my friends. Jesus was a friend of sinners. And so we must be a church people. If you, if you don't have a single non-Christian friend, you're, you're doing it wrong, I'm sorry. You're doing it wrong, okay? Jesus was a friend of sinners. We need to be in the world, and listen, you know, obviously, if you, don't tell me that you're gonna go, like, if you're a dude, you're gonna go minister at the strip clubs, like, no, that's, that's not quite it, you're, you're, you're missing it, okay, right? But you're, if, you are not going to, like, sin is not contagious, okay? You are the light bearer, you are the light bearer. You go into dark places and you shine the light. Light trumps darkness always. You are light bearers in Jesus' name, okay? So we have to be connected, to sinners now lastly love it if the uh, worship team would join me Um, we have to be connected to each other and that's what uh, that's what Connect Sunday is all about. It's about connecting to each other. So um, if you are new here and haven't quite picked up on it, um, Drew and Emma Davies were the campus pastors that that started this campus. And Katie and I were right alongside them from the very beginning. And uh, they have since answered the call of God to, to move and plant a church in Seattle. And Katie and I have, have taken over. And uh, to be honest with you, I never in my life had aspirations to be a pastor. When I was young, I wasn't like, I, I was just like, I hope I don't die from my destructive decisions, okay? That's where I was at. Thankfully, God saved me, and uh, I am a new creation in Jesus' mighty name. I was a sinner saved by grace. Come on, somebody, right? But we don't, like, this is new to me in some senses, right? And so I've been wanting to equip myself with, all right, well, what what does a church look like? What does a healthy church look like? And there's really no greater place to look than the book of Acts, Okay? Now the book of Acts, if you're not too familiar with your Bible, is the is the first book after the four gospels, after Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it is a book, a, a narrative really, all about the early church. So Jesus gives the disciples the Great Commission. Pentecost happens, the Holy Spirit falls, the disciples are filled with power. Jesus ascends into heaven, and then the rest of it is Acts chapter one and on, and that's just them uh, spreading the gospel and and watching the early church just explode. And I noticed a couple of of interesting things, and I'm going to make you wait. Let the suspense build. (laughs) It's been um, crazy to read through this book and look at what the early church looked like. And I noticed three things that were just Pervasive, just everywhere in 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 the book of Acts. Okay, and it is all the time. It says uh, that they were of one accord. Yeah. That they were of one accord. It also says all the time that they were constantly praying. And lastly, I, all the time it says that they were encouraging one another. It'd be like, and then Paul stayed, went to the synagogue, reasoned with the, with the Pharisees, and then he went and encouraged the brethren. And then Paul left Silas and, and Barnabas behind so that they could encourage the brethren. And then, da, 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 and then they were encouraged. And it was always encouraged, right? So they were of one accord, they were praying constantly, and they were um, encouraging one another. And so to be of one accord just means that we, want, we all want the same thing. We're all on the same team. We all understand the same vision. We all understand the same mission that we are unified. We are a unified people. And so let's just know that we're always on the same team. We always want the same things, that we want to see disciples made of all nations because we are all on the same mission, right? And then uh, the second one was um, uh, that they were, it was crazy. Like they were constantly praying all the time. So... Tuesday mornings at 5.30, we have men's prayer on in the foyer. Anyway, listen, if you're gonna get sick of hearing me say that, I just wanna manage expectations really quick. It's, it's not gonna change, okay? Because I, here's what I have come to realize, okay? Th- one day I'm gonna stand before God and I'm gonna have to give an account of how I shepherded the people of this campus, okay? And I will not, stand before God and say that I did not encourage his people to learn how to pray because I know in my heart of hearts that it's that important that your destiny will be unlocked when you learn how to pray. In Ephesians 6, Paul talks about the armor of God and he lists all these weapons. Actually, he doesn't. He lists one weapon. He lists all these pieces of armor and there's, there's the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, right? The shield of faith. All of those are defensive weapons, okay? If you're on defense, you're not going forward. You're just trying to keep what you have, Okay? If you want to go on offense, you need an offensive weapon, and the only offensive weapon that Paul talks about is the sword of the Spirit, praying the Bible. He says praying unceasingly, praying in the Spirit, praying, 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 and so it's not going to stop. You're gonna hear it from me over and over and over again, just managing expectations. So get to men. And listen, I know that for some of you, if you can't, some of you just can't be there because you work or whatever. I totally understand that, totally get that. But it's about being a man of prayer being a woman of prayer, okay? So if you can't be there physically, that's fine. There was a a long time for months and months that Dr. Steven and I got together at 5.30 in the morning and we prayed, not on Tuesdays, right? Like, make it happen, make it work, figure it out. Find somebody that you can commit to, to keeping you accountable, to praying with, getting together and praying over your family, praying over your business, praying over this church, praying over our leaders, right? And so let's be people that pray and lastly, they were always encouraging one another, okay? They were always encouraging one another. And it's, uh, in, to encourage literally means to courage in, to put courage into somebody else, okay? To encourage, they were always encouraging each other. Encouraging means to put courage into. So, just follow me here on the logic. If we are doing our job, and we are constantly encouraging one another, then all of us should be courageous men and women, right? Deductive reasoning should be fair. Now, courage is a what I would call a contingent word. Courage cannot exist if danger does not exist, okay? Courage only. My my son, and he's not in here, or I wouldn't say this because it would break his little spirit. He's three, and he's cute as can be. But he'll do. He'll just be like, "Dad, watch this," and he'll be like, "Wasn't that so brave?" And I'm like, I don't say this because this would just be rude. But I'm like, dude, that no. Like you were never, you were perfectly safe the entire time. Like the worst is going to happen is you're going to fall like six inches to the ground. Okay, so like, courage only exists in the presence of danger. So if we are a people who are constantly encouraging one another, then we will be a people who are filled with courage, which means, We are a people that take big risks for God. We put ourselves in dangerous places that you step out into uncharted waters to to buy a home in San Diego, even though it's scary, even though it may may put you in jeopardy, but you believe God. We're going to believe, we're going to put ourselves in dangerous situations because we're going to be unashamed of what God has done in our life to share our testimony, to tell people what God has done. And you know, yeah, maybe someone will think you're weird or think you're, so what? Come on, let's be a people who are encouraged, that are courageous, that step into dangerous places, knowing that everywhere the sole of our foot treads, he has given it to us already, that we are conquerors, that we are overcomers in Jesus' name, overcomers, victors in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. And so as we, uh, as we land this plane, um, we have mechanisms in our church that allow you to do those three things, to be of one accord to learn how to pray and to encourage one another. One of those is connect groups. They are connect groups, okay? And they're places that you get to go, and, and listen, make sure we're, we're all clear on, on the vision and what the, we call them connect groups very intentionally, okay? Other churches have groups like this and they call them maybe life groups or study groups or home groups or whatever, right? We call them connect groups because they are meant for you to connect okay and the, it, we we don't want them you know you don't need to bring i mean you can bring your 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 big massive study bible if you want but generally that's not going to be the place where we're going to open up and do like uh exegetical study on verse five of of ephesians or something like that right because these connect groups are about connecting they're about just talking with each other praying with one another and listen while we're talking about prayer The disciples were always praying, always, all the time. And so I think what we've done as the church and need to undo is we have, in this weird way, over-spiritualized prayer, okay? And it's like, now it feels like, all right, let's pray. Um, All right, cool. Turn on oceans from Hillsong. Let's get the atmosphere stirred up. Can we get the diffuser going with some essential oils? Frankincense only, please. Frankincense, holy oil. Uh, Let's take our shoes off. We're on holy ground. And then let's just like linger. And it's just like, the disciples didn't pray like that, okay? And actually think about this. Who said, who ever said that this is how you pray? You know that the only time I could think of, and I really racked my brain, that Jesus actually bowed his head to pray was actually in the Garden of Gethsemane when he threw his face on the floor and pleaded with the Lord. Every other time Jesus prayed, he looked up. But when he was feeding the 5,000, he looked up and and gave thanks. When he was about to uh, raise Lazarus from the dead, he looked up and said, God, I know you hear me. You know, we've over-spiritualized prayer where it's some weird, like, everybody, shh. shh, 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 shh." Why? Why? You know, we need to de-weird praying for people, right? And so if you're out at dinner and you're just talking with your buddy and your buddy says, hey, man, gosh, my wife and I have been really struggling, then it's not weird. It just goes like this. Hey, bro, let's pray about that really quick. God, I just thank you for Bill. I thank you for his marriage. We declare that there is unity in his home right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Anyway, hey, how's the weather? How's the weather? How's things going at your house? Cool. Right? It's not, it doesn't have to be weird. You don't have to over-spiritualize and make it a thing. Let's pray all the time just in casual conversation. Hey, let's pray about it really quick. Just pray, people of prayer. We're gonna be a people of prayer. So connect groups are a place where you can do that. It's not weird, connect groups are awesome. Katie and I have led, I think, seven of them over the years of being at this church. You know, like we used to be cool and used to be young adults, and we led a young adult group. And then it was actually really sad because when Katie got pregnant, um, our connect group actually sat us down and was like, hey, you guys are awesome. And we love you, but we're going to go to a, a young adult's group. You guys are, you're a family now, and we're, so I was like, wow, yeah, it's not you, it's me. We got broken up with basically, but anyway, then we led a young family group. We've led, I mean, and we love it. It's incredible. It's not, we just get together, we eat food, and we talk about life. That's what a connect group is, okay? You connect with other people, and you will find just almost but like miraculously that you are more of one accord with the people around you, that you learn and you're praying more and that you are encouraged. So connect group. So again, I want you to fill that card out at the end of service. Also serving on a team. I loved, um, uh, a couple of weeks ago at Men's Prayer, this uh, guy was sharing um, this this story about um, him praying for his granddaughter who was was sick and she was healed in Jesus' name, which is awesome. But uh, he said that he, he said, you know, when, when I needed somebody that I could really go to war with, I called my ushers. He's an usher that serves on a team. So his crew, like his boys, is the usher team, right? And so you can be connected serving on a team. And so serve on a team, Volunteer at this church. Get into a connect group. Be connected in Jesus' name. And lastly, just as we close, the reason I care so much about this is because um, a connect group like really saved my life a long time ago. This was years and years ago. I lived in Texas. I was um, just lost as lost could possibly be, okay? And I was engaged to this woman, not Katie, different. We don't even talk about her. Boo, yeah. And, And she, I was... Uh, she was an idol to me. It was, I had no friends, no career, no God, no nothing. I just had this girl. And so it was like, I I feel bad for her. Gosh, I must've been a freak. Like, I was like, please don't, like, you are everything. Like, you are my savior, please. And and so, of course, she was like, yeah, I'm gonna, this this makes me feel uncomfortable. And so we were engaged and she dumped me, okay? And I was leveled. I mean, like, disgusting, ugly crying, like, at night kind of leveled. okay I had nothing my legs had been cut out from the only thing that I had to cling on to in my life had left me and so I'm in Dallas Texas alone no friends no girlfriend no direction no job it was terrible and so I was like okay well um, I guess a church would probably be a good place to go Um, and so I looked up a church and went one Sunday and it just happened to be that they said, hey, here at our church, you know, they called them home groups, I think. And they said, hey, we have home groups. And I was like, so starved for human beings to talk to that I was like, I'm I'm in, baby. And so I went on the website, this is a true story. And I literally, they had this big list of groups and no kidding, I was like, God, please. And I went like this. And it said, Scott Mayer, Tuesdays, 5 p.m. And it was Tuesday at like 3 p.m. And I was like, I didn't even, I didn't email, I didn't text, I just showed up and knocked on the door. And listen, I'm an introvert by nature, okay? This is very uncomfortable for me. I don't just go up to strangers' doors, okay? It freaks me out, okay? But I was so desperate that I was like, I don't even care, I'm doing it. And so I knocked on the door and this guy opens up and he was like, hey, bro. And I was like, hey, um, can I just hang out with you guys for a bit? And he was like, come on in bro hey guys come on this is my good and these guys became incredible I was the best man at one of the guys wedding in that group we became great friends a connect group saved my life thanks for listening to find out more about our locations team and what we do here at awakened church go to awakenedchurch.com.